This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You, my dear listener, are about to embark on a six-episode podcast series about asexuality. Before we start, though, I think it's necessary to explain how this particular podcast came into being. You see, I never thought I'd make a podcast ever, let alone one about my sexuality. To be honest, it wasn't even my idea. When it was first suggested that I make a podcast about asexuality, I was a bit hesitant. What would I talk about? Who would want to listen? What purpose would it serve? I sat down to begin drafting what it would look like if I decided to take on the project. But most of what I came up with seemed shallow, obvious, and not true to life. I almost gave up. But then I thought about my younger self and realised why a project like this is important. So I want to dedicate this project to a teenaged Emily Johnson and start it by telling you all the story of how she became me. Being confused, scared and insecure is typical of the high school experience. For most people, it's just the hormones. But for queer people, it's more than that. It's about not being quite right, not feeling those things you're supposed to feel about yourself and about others. My troubles really began in 2013. I was 15 going on 16 and perfectly content. Until, of course, it happened. Like all things in school, it occurred during recess. I was sitting on the oval with a group of girls when one of them leaned into me and whispered into my ear, Someone like likes you. She refused to tell me who. Apparently it was a secret. That annoyed me. If it were a secret, then there was really no need to say anything. Because it just stressed me out. Suddenly, all the boys I spoke with every day became my potential admirer. Was it James, who sat next to me in English Lit and hated the teacher with equal passion? Was it Joey, who caught the 315 bus with me every afternoon? Was it Jay, who I'd bonded with the previous year during the math classes we both found overly easy? After thinking about each and every boy in my year, I came to the conclusion that, no, I don't like any of them like that. I don't like anyone like that, and I never had. I told the girl who my admirer had confided in as much, but that didn't stop her. He really likes you, Em. He called you pretty today. He's scared that he might not be good enough for you. You two would be so cute together. Recess and lunch had never been this stressful. At the time, I had three separate groups of friends, but I found myself gravitating away from the girls in the oval and towards the kids by the locker. One of them was in love with their math teacher, but I would take hearing the 50th monologue about how hot Mr. Baker is over hearing about someone liking me any day. Unfortunately, hanging around the group furthest away from the Oval was not enough to stop that one particular friend from talking about the mystery guy. I'd made the error of helping her get a job at the same place as me. Social distancing is impossible when trapped in the same kitchen as someone for five hours. You know he's right, your butt does look cute. He's been looking at my butt? He looks at you all the time. He told me he's building up the courage to ask you out soon. I became incredibly stressed, to the point of nausea. I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. I didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to lose a friend. 
The next morning, I asked mum if I could stay home from school. I didn't have a temperature and I wasn't coughing, but she saw that there was something wrong, so she let me stay home without questioning me. My mum has always been very good with that sort of thing. But I couldn't avoid school forever, so I went back the next day. I tried to avoid my guy friends as much as possible, keeping my head down as I went from class to class and spending recess hidden away in the library. But I couldn't hide forever. He found me at lunch, just as I was leaving for class. Um, hey, Em, uh, I think you're pretty and funny and <laughs> smart and cool. I actually really like you. Um, do you want to be my girlfriend? He was one of my newer friends. We'd met at the beginning of the year through the same friend who'd been hyping up this moment for over a month. A bit of a class clown, not the brightest and most studious of people, but he had a kind heart. I could see our mutual friends watching, whispering to each other and giggling. They knew exactly what had just been asked. In that moment, it became clear that everyone wanted this relationship to happen. Everyone except me. But why didn't I want it? Why had I never wanted it? Maybe it was because I'd never tried it before. Okay. Really? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, I have class now, so I can't actually talk. Text me? Yeah, <laughs> bye then. Then he kissed me. It took everything in me not to push him away and run. This was what boyfriends and girlfriends did. I'd have to get used to it. And I did get used to it, but I never enjoyed it. He was always touching me, kissing me. I really didn't like that part of it. His mouth tasted like a mixture of iced coffee and mint gum. Things I always liked, but now made me want to gag. And he'd always insist on kissing me every time we saw each other. But we were friends. I enjoyed our time together for the most part. When we weren't kissing, when we were just wandering around Hay Street Mall or watching a movie at the cinema, I could almost ignore the fact that we were dating. A couple months into the relationship, he asked me to hang out with him at the cricket field near my house. He wanted to meet Lily, my at the time 10-year-old border collie and love of my life. I agreed, not suspecting that this date would be any different to our other ones. Okay. I... I have something to tell you. Um... I love you. Thanks. Um, Lily has arthritis, so I need to take her home now. Bye. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay, bye. I often laugh when I tell that story now, because it's probably the most awkward and completely inappropriate response to I love you ever uttered. But the laughter is something that came years later. I certainly didn't find it funny at the time. I was panicking. Love? I felt nothing for him. As soon as I got home, I locked myself in my room and opened up my laptop. The question I asked Google, why don't I feel love? Amidst the countless articles about serious psychological conditions and tips for reigniting a lacklustre relationship, there was a forum discussing something I'd never heard about before. Asexuality. I discovered who I was because of this online forum. But 
This forum also taught me to hate myself. It was a thread discussing asexuality without including any asexuals. The comments were toxic. Not straight, but not part of the LGBTIQ community. Wrong. Alien. Incapable of feeling love and not deserving of being loved. I closed my laptop and, feeling scared, lost and deeply hurt, I texted my boyfriend. Hey, sorry about earlier. It was just a surprise. I love you too. It was unfair on him. I felt like I was toying with his emotions and lying to him. In a very real way, I was. I fell into a depression, but I didn't tell anyone because how could I? Despite having a large, loving family, many caring friends, and even a boyfriend who loved me, I felt entirely alone, broken. I continued dating him for four months, trying my hardest to force myself to fall in love with him. I also started to think back to all the other boys I'd ever been close to, trying to find a single spark of something. But there was nothing. I wouldn't describe it as something missing. I never felt less than whole. Trying to force myself to feel attracted to my boyfriend was like trying to fill an already full mug of coffee with milk from an empty carton. Impossible, frustrating and anxiety inducing. I began to resent my boyfriend in this time. Some of this may have been projection, but the friends I have kept from this time assure me that I had every right to dislike him. I stopped finding him funny. His interests became uninteresting. His inability to get a job became infuriating. And worst of all, I began to notice that I was putting way more effort into the relationship than he was. He wouldn't even try to learn about my interests, so we could never talk about the things I cared about. He wouldn't go to any of my netball or water polo games, nor ask how they went. And he refused to make friends with the kids who hung out by the lockers, who were, at this point, my closest friends thanks to my earlier avoidance of this whole relationship. He also kept touching me, less innocently, with intention. Come on, just stay a little bit longer. It'll be fun. No, I need to go. Mum will worry. It'll be worth it. It never went further than groping. But even thinking about it makes me feel sick. Maturity has allowed me to understand that what he did was wrong. And he should never have pressured me. But I didn't know that at the time. I thought that I should want it. That I only didn't want it because of my own brokenness. I don't think he knows how much he hurt me back then. And he'll probably never find out considering I haven't spoken to him since 2014. Because we broke up. Of course we did. The tipping point came after the death of my grandfather. My family spent four days in the WA country town turned city of my dad's childhood. Finally removed from the boy causing me pain, I was able to speak honestly with my older sister. The first time I'd been honest for a long time. She asked how my relationship was going. I told her he made me uncomfortable when we were alone together. She convinced me to dump him. I've not thanked her for that. I really should, and probably will one day. After I come out to my family, which I still haven't done yet, I have no worries about my three sisters. They won't treat me any different. I have a feeling that they already know, or at least suspect, 
that I'm not quite straight. It's mum and dad that I worry about. They'll be disappointed. And I'm not sure they'll understand. My ex-boyfriend certainly doesn't know. We broke up via text message and never spoke again. Apparently, he had a mini meltdown on Facebook, but my lack of social media shielded me from all that. And honestly, I didn't care. I felt free for the first time in months. I became happy again. Of course, that didn't last. I was still very aware of the fact that I was different from my peers, but that was easier to ignore when I wasn't dating someone. The knowledge of who I was remained in the back of my mind, and I couldn't help but think about it every time the topic of dating and relationships came up in conversation. I went to a co-ed public school, so it was a very frequent topic of conversation. Ruminating on my identity for months didn't necessarily make me more okay with it, but it did make me more certain in it. So when I was asked out again in July 2015, I said no. I told him I couldn't because I'm asexual. As a first time coming out, it definitely went very well. It helped that he's bisexual. He understood how daunting it can be. Now, I don't want to give off the impression that I was hot shit in high school, because I definitely wasn't. But not long after rejecting that boy, I began to suspect that one of my other male friends had a crush on me, and the anxiety came back. It was all well and good to come out to someone who was queer and I'd only known for two weeks. It was another thing entirely to come out to a close heterosexual friend. So I didn't. I freaked out and ghosted him when he asked if we could talk. I regret that. It hurt him. He forgave me, and we're still friends, but we're no longer close. It was in the aftermath of that disaster that I began to come out to some of my friends. The queer ones, the politically active and socially progressive ones, the new ones whose loss wouldn't hurt too much. Life became easier after that. I became happy again. It really helped having a small group of people who could support me, who I could be honest with. With them, I could finally begin to accept myself. It's a slow, ongoing process, but it's getting better. Although I'm not out to everyone in my life, I have stopped outright lying about who I am. Although I still feel apprehensive entering LGBTQI spaces on the off chance someone there decides I don't belong, I no longer bar myself from the community entirely. Although I don't say the words as often as I should, I no longer hate the fact that I'm asexual and aromantic. In October 2013, less than an hour after my boyfriend told me he loved me, I was alone in my room, ashamed and confused, asking myself the questions. Who am I? And where do I belong? Now, in October 2020, I've created a podcast to find the answers to these questions. Step one in my journey to self-discovery is figuring out exactly what asexuality is. So, what am I? Keep listening to find out. Thanks for listening to Another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.